Cola Faithful, and welcome to the Game Cola Podcast. This is podcast number 88, and with me today, I have Alex Jedrzejczyk, Diana Gray, Nathaniel Hoover, Shannon Hoover, and Anna Bernarski. Everybody, would you please so kindly introduce yourselves? Hello, everyone. I'm Alex the Jedi Jedrzejczyk, uh, Editor-in-Chief at GameCola.net, Gaming Outside the Mainstream. And I am here, ready to cast. What's up, everybody? Diana Gray here, resident fangirl of GameCola.net. And I am also here, ready to cast, I guess. I'm tired. Continue. I'm, I'm Nathaniel Hoover. I'm not ready to cast, but I'm <gasps> winging it anyhow. I'm <laughs> Shannon Hoover, delinquent staff writer and podcaster, and I'm here, ready to cats. I mean, cast. Podcasts. <laughs> I want to miss my cats. I'm Anna Bernarski, and everyone else has more enthusiasm than I do. I'm just very tired today. I can tone it down a little bit. That'd help. Oh my god, something just banged outside, and it was really weird. <laughs> See? There you go. You're more enthusiastic already. Uh, I did that, not that, like that. That fight-or-flight response will kick in. And... Eventually, and I'll just, like, run out of my apartment. <laughs> so, I think we could start off with a question that has been eating at everyone's minds since at least, I guess, 2009, probably. Because <laughs> I think that's when this topic pile was written. But achievements, have they made gaming more rewarding or are they a hassle? You can tell this was like at the time, this question that we wrote down was written at like the height of like Xbox Live trophies. Oh, and that's a good PS, point. Like, yeah. no, PS4, PS3 does the trophies. Xbox does the gamer score. I don't know if they had the points. I think they're just called points. Yeah, by, by the way, for those who weren't here before the podcast started. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the topic, is the topic pile not common podcast knowledge? I thought it was. Well, but I didn't know reason, about it. Well, we talk about it sometimes. I think we just rarely ever pull from it. But as we were struggling to come up with topics uh, immediately before the podcast, which is, you know, early for us to be planning that far in advance we decided to take a, a crack at the top topic pile and maybe uh burn through some of these finally you know mm. in a timely manner we, we have a whole list a, a pile if you will of podcast topics that we've been adding to over the years whenever somebody's bored i just added one <laughs> now we have more to do you want to make this podcast longer <laughs> oh no this is so bad <laughs> so, so now, achievos yeah. achievables <laughs> I like them. It gives me reason to play the game again and again. See, I, I could go either way because there are so many things that I used to do in games just because I was like that bored and I only had so many games that I would, you know, go back and be like, well, you know, I'm going to skip all of the heart containers. I'm going to just, you know, try to beat the game with three hearts or whatever. You know, I would do that already. So now it's giving me a reason to do that. But then... There are other times when it's like, uh, but there's only like five achievements left. I need to finish them. Uh, I just don't care about trying to beat these achievements. I think. Oh, no, go ahead. Well, go I was first. just going to say that like, I, I think a major part of it is something that seems fun and like worth it. And I'm not saying that you need to. Like, I think there is a certain threshold where no matter how many points or whatever an, an achievement is. You, it wouldn't be worth a certain goal. Like, I think some goals just have to be personal. 
Because if you, because like one of the things is like in the Wii Virtual Console Mega Man games, there's the one of the achievements is beat the game without getting hit at all. Yeah, you're talking Mega Man Nine and Ten. Yes, the Wii Wear ones. Yeah, I think. Oh no, the ver no the yeah Wii Wear Virtual Console is if right. it's a port, and it's just it's cool to encourage people to do that, but to like make it part of the 100% completion just doesn't seem. It doesn't sit right with me. It feels like that should be something that's a personal goal, not yeah. something that the game should say, you haven't really beaten it until you've done this, because that just seems unreasonable to ask of the average well, player. I think that's the thing, though, is that there's a balance between making up stuff that you're, like, expected to do. But, like, if somebody was just like, yeah, well, I beat Mega Man and I didn't get touched once, everyone would be like, you didn't do that, I don't believe you... Well, I have the achievement for it. You know, like, there's proof there. So, like, I don't know. But like it the... takes, it, with Mega Man specifically, it takes the fun out of doing it. Because when I played through all of the other Mega Man games leading up to 9 and 10, there was this personal challenge of, well, I beat the game. Now what do I do? I like the game enough. I'm going to come back to it. I'm going to try only using special weapons throughout the stages. I'm going to go in a reverse boss order. I'm going to do all sorts of impossible, crazy <laughs> challenges to hold myself to a higher standard, make my own replay value. By the yeah. game telling me there is an achievement for you to get through the game without ever dying, oh, without ever getting hit, then yeah. that's making me feel like I'm less of a gamer because I, I've rocked all of the other Mega Man games, but I finally come to this one, and the game itself is telling me, you're not good enough to beat me because you can't get through it without getting hit, even yeah. though you can do all of these other amazing personal challenges that other people can't do. <laughs> yeah. I feel the same way. I feel like achievements are good when they push your boundaries of okay, play through the game, but do this one special thing that you didn't think of doing before and see if you can beat it. And if it's something achievable to the average gamer, then you feel a boost after completing that achievement. And you say, yay, I'm a better player than I thought I ever could be. Or when it forces you to explore aspects of the game that you as a lazy gamer might not have done and forces you to explore everything that the creators put into it, then that's great because you get the most out of the game that you possibly could have but the, at the point an achievement starts making you feel bad about yourself that's that's wrong yeah i'm completely on board with that and aside from the the feeling bad about yourself for not being good enough for the game what what do you really gain by doing some of these like collect nine million gold <laughs> there's no purpose for it the only thing that you've proved is that you had 70 hours of your life to waste on this task um, what what do you gain as a gamer? And I think that plays into the mentality that I was... Uh, oh, the Barbie Horse Adventures uh, archive dumpster dive um, <laughs> post that just came on, on GameCola. Uh, one of the things that the people on Amazon who were reviewing Barbie Horse Adventures were talking about was like, this game is awful. It's only an hour long. It's so short. It's no good. So as, as though a short game inherently is no good, which is rubbish because it's the quality and the length of the experience combined. You could have a ridiculously long good game that's consistently terrible, or you could have something like the, what was it, Danger-esque, uh, Behind the Danger Desk, the uh, Rumisode 1, the little adventure game from Homestar Runner that they had, or, or the Thy Dungeon Man games while we're on the subject, or Stinko Man, or any of those Homestar Runner games, right? These little Flash games that take you all of 5, 10, 20 minutes to complete, but 
the gameplay quality is so good that you can't help but walk away from it and say, wow, that was so worth my time. And I feel like achievements are just superficially, in most cases, not always, superficially extending the length of the game or patting you on the back for things that you don't really need to be patted on the back for. Like, hooray, you beat the first level. We're going to give you an achievement. Hooray, yeah. you beat the second level. You're such a great gamer. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing, actually, about the story progress achievements. Those kind of get on my nerves a little bit, just because I don't want an achievement if I feel like I haven't really accomplished anything besides completing a mandatory part of the game. That just doesn't <laughs> seem right to me. You but started the game. Congratulations. I'm like, oh, I know. Oh, I'm um, so great. Thank you for reminding me that I'm great. The but... only one, the only one of those that I've ever seen that I've enjoyed was in Portal Two, mm -hmm. where there's this one chapter. I can't remember exactly what it is, and this is a minor oh, oh, spoiler. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Where right? you get into this, and there's this huge <laughs> death trap, and it's like Chapter Eight, the part where you die, and Wheatley <laughs> says, "This is the part yeah. where you die. Achievement unlocked. The part where you die." <laughs> Just yeah. kept building on. I love itself. that part. That's the best part of the game. <laughs> I think also though, like when you include like beating a level and completing the game once as like in the same sort of if you keep that in the same sort of bracket as the rest of the achievements then it feels like because if you kept it so that it there weren't all these sorts of tiny things that go along with it then it would feel more like these achievements were bonuses to the content rather than oh you didn't really beat the game because you didn't get all the achievements but said, you beat the game, and if you want to be super awesome, you can do this. Instead of saying, you haven't... It's sort of framing, like, achievements as something that's fun to do if you want to, and not something that you have to do all of to have the full, satisfying experience. Yeah. Well, another problem with achievements is that they're off awfully spoilerific most of the time. Mm -hmm. If people aren't really careful about the icon that they put, like I'm thinking Steam where it has the pictures for the achievements, um, and the name that they give to it, you can completely spoil what the end of the game is going to be. Because like, oh yeah, I just beat the final boss. Well, no, obviously I didn't because there's another achievement that says you beat the real final boss. And I haven't got <laughs> yeah. that one yet. No, my Steam queue is making me angry right now because I have six or seven games that I just need one achievement to beat, and all of them are stupid achievements that you shouldn't have to do that are of the bad variety that make you feel horrible as a person for not being able to do them, like the yeah. zero-death ones. Can we call them bereavements? <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty brilliant. I'm trying to think of a game that I like genuinely enjoy the achievements in just to throw it out there. I had one earlier, but now I forgot. Oh, oh, I know. Heavy Rain. I really like the achievements in Heavy Rain because I feel like it gives the game even more replayability than it already has because since there's so many different endings in Heavy Rain to begin with, I'm pretty sure I've talked about how much I love Heavy Rain on another podcast. But, I mean, one of the achievements is... Not, well, I don't want to say too much because it's a spoiler, but you get different ones for, like... I don't know if you get ones for every ending but there's one in particular that's like very difficult to get like on your first try but once you know like the full story of the game it's a lot easier to go around and make sure that you get the achievement and it's just a really interesting one which I'm not going to say because it's a total spoiler but I mean and because it's that there's no way you would know what it is before getting it if that makes sense but games like that like with story driven plots and that just kind of have achievements 
at the end that require you to get different endings to get the achievements, I think those are fun because it kind of gives me a good estimate of how many more times I need to replay the game and do different things before I can finish. You know, thinking about it, uh, Portal 2 I mentioned, but a lot of other Valve... Actually, I think all of the other Valve games that I've played have good thoughtful achievements. Uh, thinking about the Half-Life series, um, still my favorite one, which I've talked about on Gamecola before, the little Rocket Man achievement, where you have to take the Garden Gnome from the beginning of the game, transport him through the entire game, load him into the rocket at the end, and launch him into space. And yeah. it's so absurd, but just looking at it, <laughs> um, it's, it's that kind of achievement where you look at it and, and you can say, oh no, 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 I'm not going anywhere near this. Or you can look at it and say, I am insane enough that I am going to do something that, like Shannon was saying, uh, that pushes you to be a better gamer. Like, I'm going to do something that no one has any right to do. We're starting this now. Like, those are the kind of achievements I like. Or the other ones that, um, like the finding the radios in the original portal, um, which they, I think they added after the original version of the game. Like, they did an up and then threw in random radios that had secret messages in there um, that you could very easily miss and they didn't necessarily add anything to the game but they were tricky to get to in some cases so they tested your portal throwing ability um, to be able to locate them, number one, and number two, get to them to be close enough that you set off the little ping, you're one step closer to the achievement. So those are the kinds of ones that I'm completely fine with. Diana's uh, Heavy Rain achievements were reminding me of the achievements for Year Walk, which is a very short game, but... I think one of the only games I've actually rated a 10 out of 10 on. And all of the achievements, the achievement names are very cryptic so that they don't spoil them for you. And if you're going into the game, you'll take a few playthroughs before you finally realize, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do to unlock that. And most of them are Easter eggs that just add a little bit extra background to the story and enhance it in some way. And so you just keep adding depth with every playthrough. And I thought that that was a wonderful way to do the achievements. So yeah, those are the kind of achievements that I like. Those are good. I don't really mind the story progression achievements because I'm just like, okay, whatever. But one that I really do like is the one, at, like, if you finish the um, any of the Blackwell games except for the last one, you get the achievement medium well done. <laughs> games about medium and it's really funny so we yeah. have exhausted the achievements yeah i think yeah. i think achievement unlocked uh finished to the first yeah. topic pile Yay. So, Question. Yeah. on on the subject so we were talking about achievements being one of those so 2009 uh, topics that we came up with. Uh, while we're still sort of in the 2009 mindset, um, I just wanted to bring up the p old podcast videos that have been grad oh, yeah. transferred to YouTube. This has been my project for the year. Um, if if you're following our Game Color YouTube channel, GC.net, um, you may have noticed that it has been nothing but a string of old podcasts because we had uploaded a group and then we didn't upload any of them as videos and then we uploaded another group and we're staying current with them and then we stopped so I've been going back for posterity's sake because I'm a completionist you know this is my 100% <laughs> for Game Cola that I'm working toward and started filling in some of the gaps with the the old podcast and it's really striking 
to listen to it, how different everything was back in 2009, 2010, um, the, the kinds of predictions that we had about things. The entire focus of the site was different. The personalities of the people, uh, the way we meshed, the way we clashed uh, on the podcast. It's just, it's a different world in the format of the podcast, too. So, so different from what we've very comfortably fallen into. Um, so it's just, I don't know if, if any of the rest of you are scholars of the older podcasts that we've done, especially like pre-30 or so. Like, I think 34, yeah. 35 is where we really started to hit our stride. Um, but especially anything like in the below the 20s, um, really completely different animals. So I'm, I'm wondering if anybody else has listened to, even if not recently, any of the old podcasts and just thinking about the, the sort of differences as we've grown over the years. Yeah, I haven't listened to them recently, um, but I mean, I always do talk about uh, how Michael Gray used to play, you know, the intro music, uh, sing Sick. a Disney song. I remember <laughs> I we I started watching when you first when you were first starting on this. I think was it earlier in the summer that you started? Oh, started uploading things. Yeah, was it? Or I don't. Oh, maybe it was later. Was, or maybe it was later. Um, I it was like January, February, I think, maybe March. Okay. It was pretty early. Was, okay, never I've, I've been doing this for months. <laughs> maybe it was. Uh, anyway, I was. It was earlier in the summer when I did this, but I, I listened to like the first three, what? Because I was doing some uh, kind of monotonous work at the time, and it, it was it was strike like you. We had a different round of people who were kind of generally on the podcast. Colin used to be a regular. Yeah, and like I think wasn't. The like the intro and the outro were recorded separately. Yeah. I think so. Like the part where we didn't we didn't just do the whole introductions live. So and that was that was striking. Um and then yeah like I think in the first podcast like it's just people complaining about the at the time new Fallout game. Right. <laughs> well yeah Mike Ridgeway was another uh, regular in the early days. <laughs> But then it was also interesting because, well, uh, one of the other things was that, like, it was, I don't know, I don't know how long this lasted, but it was apparently tradition to just make fun of Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Why oh, did yeah. that stop? Why <laughs> did that stop? Did like, you, know, you, don't, stop? you don't speak ill of the dead. Or <laughs> game cola case, um, emeritus it did. Yeah. What's well. the past tense of emeritus? <laughs> Emeritized. Emeritoast. <laughs> but then what was the oh, what was the other thing? Oh, it was just interesting to hear some people's like firsts, like people that you would can maybe now consider regulars being new additions to the staff and um being like their first podcast where there's you can kind of hear them start to feel out like how they're going to mesh together auditorily, vocally. <laughs> I yeah. was definitely just looking back to try and figure out which one my first podcast was. <laughs> I think um, mine is literally called Jetty's first. Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm almost certain that is true. I think. Well, I think a lot of us were we appeared on the um the tenth anniversary. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. counting that one. Yeah. Aside from that one, I know I did like a guest one. I think in the somewhere in the fifties, and then like very shortly after, I was on staff. <laughs> Picturing Joe walking around in black podcast. and up in a vintage. Yeah, I like I like referring to the podcast groups as like as though they're years, even though they definitely aren't. Sixty four might have been my first one. It is not. I don't believe that. 
The first one that came up was Hacks and Slash, and I'm like, I'm not counting that either. See, I do really want to, like, go back and just listen through to as many of those as possible, just to, like, and I think it might be interesting to try to keep track of sort of themes, like, even, like, just going back to, like, treating the podcast as decades, like, themes over, like, you know, the first 10 podcasts, the second 10, and see, like, how things change, and, like, who were regulars, who sort of, like, did people start phasing out during this bit or it'd be interesting to sort of see how things changed. Yeah. I'm having fun with it. And I'm also writing up any of the posts as you may have seen, um, covering the podcast videos that hadn't previously been covered. And I'm going back into the archives now and I'm editing the old videos that are like, Hey, look at this video of Krusty's Funhouse with a podcast over top of it. And now I have to write <laughs> editor's note. This post was so much better when we had a video of Krusty's Funhouse with a podcast over it. Now it's just a single segment static image. Sorry to ruin your day. Because I've also re-uploaded the ones that used to be in multiple parts. Um, because I realized that nobody wants to listen to 10 minutes of podcast, hiccup, break, and another 10 minutes of podcast. Oh, good times. Remember those those time limits? on youtube <laughs> so what makes a game genuinely scary or oh, we jump back into the podcast topic pile now no i think jenny just came up with that question all on his own no, i'm pretty sure i wrote so... that question so maybe he's reading my mind from three years ago what an awful superpower that would be i can read your mind but three years ago today it would be like really weird for like trial like court trials like <laughs> Hold on. Just postpone it for three years and I'll know exactly what happened. Okay, actually, so... You know someone with this ability, Jenny? <laughs> well, I was gonna say is that I've been playing Phoenix Wright. <gasps> I know. Yay! Okay, and Wait, here's the... F can Phoenix Wright read people's minds? Does this I can read a vision on what makes I... a game genuinely scary? No, we don't hear this. <laughs> Well, okay, but I'm just saying is that, like, I can read Phoenix's mind from my experiences three years ago, having uh, done commentary on it. Um, so, like, oh, the first, no. like, I know everything about the first two cases, and then I get into the Steel Samurai, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm lost, help me. Those videos are going up. Oh, well, that was two years ago. To be fair, those are edited. I don't know where they are. Well, I mean, I'm I'm just saying that like so they're uploaded, Nathaniel. I uh, what? no, <laughs> no the videos that were uploaded like nine months ago, and then oh, I realized, oh, it's time to deliver these videos, and then boom, there they no, go. I uploaded for re not recently, like maybe like a month ago. Oh well, I should get my act together then and <laughs> see what people are uploading to my YouTube channel. <laughs> I say mine like I do any real administration anymore. Hang on, I'm looking it up right. <laughs> I want to see if I'm right. Anyways, I'm sorry, Teddy, that you don't have any help right now, but <laughs> I need to finish editing them. Well, uh, basically, I'm trying to find games that my girlfriend would be interested in, like, playing slash watching me play. And this she... is always interesting. See, yeah, she, for whatever reason, gained a sudden interest in Ace Attorney very recently. I was like, well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so... We'd been playing it together Aww. and, you know, well, you know, all the times that you'd be like, I'm not sure, I'm not sure what I should do. Like, um, you know, what, what should I, what should I try? Cause I'm running out of, you know, attempts or whatever. And I'm like, well, 
I got this. And then, you know, as soon as the as soon as the second case ended, I was like, mm, I don't well, know. Maybe I can coop this can, up. You can always, uh, you always Facebook message me. I'll I'll try and make you look cool. Yeah, there's two on here that are not published. I was right. So well, you need to notify me about these things. <laughs> They were uploaded in Maine, too. Okay, just a simple email <laughs> saying, yo, doofus, could you please make these public? I think I was waiting for them to actually upload, and then they were taking forever, so I left them, and then I forgot. <laughs> the uh, the other game that we tried playing, because she wanted to also play, like, a co-op game, I was like, oh, what, what? Like, what game do I have, like, the capability of actually playing? Because, like, I don't have modern games. It's like, what would be fun that's a co-op game that, like, is on the Super Nintendo? I was like, I know. Turtles in Time. There you go. And I don't know how to play that game. <laughs> like, okay, and here's the thing. is like, I played so much Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, the arcade game, on the NES. But Turtles in Time, we basically ended up dying on the part where Shredder is in, like, a robot, like, grabbing you with little grabby arms, and he's, like, in front of the screen. And we just sat there dying until finally I was like, wait a second, I just accidentally threw... <laughs> One of the foot soldiers at the... Uh... By accident, yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, how do I do that? <laughs> <laughs> wait, I've, do I've, do got, that I've got a great couple game for you. Game? You should play Hats Full Boyfriend. I, yes. after I said okay, I knew what it was. <laughs> By the yes. way, Diana, yes. Shannon and I have been watching very slowly. It's been like huge oh, chunk and then nothing for months. Uh, but we have been making our way through your playthrough, and it's been really entertaining. We really like it. <laughs> so, Actually, uh, I'm back at school now, and I told two of my friends Real school, about, not pigeon school, right? Not yeah. pigeon school. I graduated. School, which is I'm cool. actually low-key wearing my... Um, St. Pigeonations alumni shirt right now. Um, <laughs> yes, I do own that shirt. I was talking to one of my friends, and one of my other friends brought up my videos. And apparently, I never told one of my friends about my videos because she's not super into video games. And uh, so she was like, What? Wait, I need to see this. And my friend was like, Watch a video where she cries. It's really funny. <laughs> I was like, Oh, no. Well, so they turned knew... on the finale. Not to spoil anything, but we had um, looked up some of the things just because when we had first heard about it, I, I was at least a little curious about the game and was doing a little bit of research on some of the weird, wacky stuff that happens. So we, we knew, so as not to spoil this for people, about the Yuya ending. And we were sitting there like, uh, we're sort of brewing. We're like, oh, no. no. We wanted to give you such the biggest hug because we knew it was really bad. <laughs> Oh, I was so angry. I loved that game. Oh, shut up, Anna. <laughs> I hated that game. I'm lying. It, so, it was uh, so good, though. On the topic of had a full boyfriend, what makes a game genuinely scary? <laughs> well, I think I think we've thoroughly answered that question. <laughs> oh. When it's had a full boyfriend, next question. Do Do any of us even play horror games? I feel like we've got a crowd of. Well, no, no, no. So here, here's the thing. There's scary, and then there's horror game. Two different. Yeah, there's a difference. Well, yeah, there's like jump scares, and there's like, yeah, like there, there's multiple different types of, of like what constitutes scary. I mean, going back to our old podcasts, uh, I recently uploaded the one uh, that was all about Metroid, um, where I, I come off like a creepy stalker because of uh, talking about how the the creepiness of Metroid is one of the best 
selling points um, because you have that you have that feeling of isolation in that you know if you get lost in the bowels of Norfair, no one will ever know where you are and you're just lost to the world and that's that's scary that sort of non-existence that obliteration of identity so having isolation in a game and and really that sense of consequence you know even if you just die and it's game over if you think about the the whole world in a broader sense of well what if this were real what happens if my hero fails thinking about the those consequences can make a game scary. You know, or you have games like Half-Life where you never know what's around the next corner or whether something's going to fall from the ceiling on you or you're going to enter a dark room and suddenly have this thing in your face. So I, those are the types of things that are scary to me. Resident Evil to me is not scary, but Half-Life is. <laughs> I've been looking for a game to play for like a Halloween special type thing on my channel that won't cause me to have a heart attack. And I've been looking at, because I've seen a couple people play through Amnesia, and I really like Amnesia because it's not too scary for me, but that's it is scary enough for me that I think it's mostly just because, honestly, you have no way to fight against the monsters in that game. You just have to hide and run, and that's can be pretty scary to some people. That well, you're that's, trapped in this freaking castle with no way to defend yourself. That feeling of powerlessness. Exactly. Uh, goes a long way in making something scary. I really actually just want to play Justine because I really like Justine better than the actual game, which is the DLC for Amnesia. But we'll see. <laughs> I'll probably freak out anyways. It'll be fine. I, w I won't die. I hope. <laughs> and of course, you got to talk about the atmosphere, the, the oh, graphics yes. and the sound effects and the music. Atmospheric sound effects or atmospheric music. You know, still thinking about the Metroid series. Metroid 2, kind of scary because you don't really have music. You have little yeah, yeah, yeah. chirps and bleeps that sound like who knows what that is. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, um... I mean, I've always mentioned that, like, Metroid 2 is sort of like my Metroid game. And that was one of the things that I think sort of solidified that, is they had, like, a room entering sound. Right. And then, like, it would just sort of go, like, silent, and then it would be like... I don't know. Like, I, I really enjoyed... Yeah. Like, for, for the era it's in, to say that it had, like, atmospheric music is sort of an Very oddity... Impressive. Yeah, like, it wasn't really a thing back then, and especially on the Game Boy. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and, and similarly, using completely clashing music, thing, in, incongruous music, that, you know, it's really quiet, and then all of a sudden, sort of the a musical equivalent of a jump scare, suddenly oh. having loud oh, thrashing that. music or something like that, that takes that. you out of the moment. When you, um, like, you've been going through the do-do-do-do part, and then all of a sudden, like, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. In the middle of a room, and that weird like, dano, 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 like the Metroid, or yeah, when Attack you're fighting music, the Metroids. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was a good game. I've been playing a game recently. I'm gonna butcher the name of it. Anaxemia. Um, it's an underwater game. You're a single diver. You're running out of oxygen. You're running out of power. Your lights cut off every once in a while. You go into dark rooms. There are mines hidden all over the place there are droids hidden all over the place you'll go over to pick up a power up a power up package and then be swarmed by things that you couldn't see and it's so hard that even the gamerist of gamers were saying this game is colder than your ex's heart um 
<laughs> but it's oh. those little, and it has a background track that's just this very atmospheric, quiet music with, you know, that kind of nervous energy to it. And so it's, I've almost had to turn the sound off every <laughs> once in a while and put something else on in the background, but it's good. How about Eternal Darkness for what, the GameCube was it? Um, Sanity's Requiem, where mm -hmm. you, uh, another thing that can make games scary is when the game doesn't seem to play by the rules. One of the things that um, I think Shannon's talked about in the past when she talks about scary movies, um, she cited The Ring being so scary because you've got American horror movie conventions where, you know, you, certain things are safe and certain things are not safe. You know, you hide under the blankets, you're safe. Monsters can't get you there. That convention does not exist in Japanese cinema. Right. So you've got those expectations of here's the box that I'm putting this scary thing into, and then the scary thing crawls out of the metaphorical box, and what are you going to do to contain it? So like um, Eternal Darkness, for example, um, you've got really strange things happening that are outside the scope of the game. You've got a sanity meter, and as your sanity goes down, really weird stuff stuff happens to the game that's just frightening because it's not like this monster is very scary this music is very scary it's like what's happening to my game is this normal for example you go to save your game and it says save or it, it's like memory card corrupted save file deleted <laughs> and you're like what 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 and all of a sudden the game's the scariest thing ever because you think that it's gone outside and it's broken your game whereas no it's just messing with your head i've been seeing a lot about that game recently and i'd be really interested in playing it i think it sounds hilarious <laughs> one thing that i was just trying to think of like because i tend to stay away from scary things i, I get very squeamish when it comes to that sort of thing and it's just i don't usually have a good time and i'm like I'm not going to invest time in something I'm not enjoying. Um, that's just me personally. But I remember in um, Pokemon Diamond, Pearl, and Platinum, there's – it's, you know, it's most of the game is cheery, you know, da 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 whatever. And – but in – there's like a forest, and the forest is like, you know, it's like there's shadow, but it's – not scary at all like there's there's children running around and they're all talking about how they're going to be the very best or whatever but then like you get to the end and there's just this house and it's like not explained at all and like then all then the gym leader of the next town comes out and says that place is really scary and you go in and like the music is this weird like kind of it's like staggered there's no rhythm to it which is one of the more unsettling things and like you go in a, you have to go in a couple times to get stuff but then one time when i was playing um you go into this like kitchen and there's a person in there and you're like oh there's a person well i'll talk to them and maybe this place won't seem so creepy maybe we'll see the backstory and like you walk a step forward and then the person just moves across the screen without the walking animation. And I was like, oh, that's weird. And then I go to where they were walking, and they're gone. And I'm like, it was a ghost! <laughs> and a little, like, ten... I don't know how old I was in whenever those games came out. But I was like, I do not like this place. <laughs> and I was like, I'm getting out of here. I don't care about my little ghost Pokemon that I could catch in here, I am out. And it was just interesting, because, like, the 
part of it is like there was no explanation of why it was creepy like you don't know why this random it was called the old chateau whereas like in other games there are like graveyards where there yeah. are ghost pokemon and you're like yeah but it's a graveyard like duh of course but like with this like why is this house so haunted and why are there like people ghosts there's one thing to have pokemon ghosts but there's people ghosts in here <laughs> I was like, I, I, little young Joseph didn't like that. And if you, and seeing how much that scared me, you can imagine how I would do with any game that like tries to make you afraid of the situation. I was okay. watching. Oh. oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Anna. I was watching people play the first Laura Bow game by Sierra, yeah. and they pointed out like something moving in the background be behind the windows. It was a silhouette of a person. And I wasn't even playing the game, and I already started to panic. <laughs> so I have I have two other examples. Um, going back to this version of expectations, and I was talking about uh, whatever that game was, Eternal Darkness. Uh, my sanity meter must be going down because I'm starting to forget things now. Um, Dark Souls. I was watching a friend of mine start to play through Dark Souls. And so you've got, you know, you're dead and you're in the afterlife life or something like that. He skipped the opening cutscene, so I don't actually know what the story is. But you're running around hacking up other dead things, and there's this one boss that I guess is something of a spoiler. But you you come up and you know that you're going to fight a dragon. You're like, okay, there's this like skeletal dragon that I'm going to fight. And so you see this cutscene where there's this dragon way off in the distance. He looks really tiny, and he starts to come up, and you're like, okay, prepare for battle. And then it continues to rise up. And it turns out that the dragon is not actually a dragon. It's just a little bit of the tip of the real monster's nose, which is like 70 times bigger than the actual dragon <laughs> that you thought you were going to fight. And it's this horrific monster that's like its chest opens up and tries to clap um, over top of you and like consume you. Just this horrible thing. You're like, okay, big scary thing. I'm preparing myself for this big scary lich dragon thing. And then it's not actually what you think it is. It's even worse. I, I, that's, that's scary. And what was the other one I had, uh, and I did this out of order. This was going to be my second example because I knew I could remember it. <laughs> oh, um, and then the other thing, um, I know that they've done this in a bunch of games and I can't think of any other specifics, probably Metroid somewhere, but in, so Star Trek Voyager Elite Force, um, PC game, um, based on the TV show, of course. And you've got the Borg, who are these cybernetic zombies. And it's very well established in the TV series that the Borg are basically unstoppable. They're just these mind, well, single-minded killing machines. And you board one of their ships and you start walking around and you're, you know, shooting up a couple of drones and things. And then you get to this section where all of a sudden there's... Borg drones scattered all over the floor. They're, like, cut in half. Their electronic limbs are still twitching. Um, so, first of all, that, like, the view of all of these slaughtered, half-assembled Borg all over the place is creepy enough. But then you've got, like, this, it's not just the metallic cube um, that you're walking through, but there's some organic component. Like, something started to move in here, and what, what happened, what is so powerful that the Borg, the most terrifying thing out there in the galaxy, started getting sliced in half and had their own <laughs> habitat transformed? Like, what's scarier than the Borg? So that mystery of, okay, we know this is scary, what could possibly be scarier than this, and what are you hinting at? I don't mind, I, I don't like horror movies, Movies, but I do enjoy being scared every once in a while if it's like a, a good storytelling kind of a scare. Like it's not just boogity boogity or oh look, it's all bloody. Yeah, I'm not really a big fan of like 
Five Nights at Freddy's and that kind of thing. <laughs> like, honestly, like, I'm not generally a fan of, like, scary things. Like, I don't like scary movies. And not, like, because I'm scared of them. But because going in, it's like, okay, it's a scary movie. Oh, no, something's going to happen. I know it's going to happen. Like, that kind of takes all the fun out of it for me. I hate when they take things that should be safe, like dolls and, you know, things that are associated with children are associated with being happy and then give them teeth and blood and knives and things. Going back yeah. to your walk, there's like this beautiful forest nymph who looks like a walking tree and she's so pretty. And then she grows teeth and like spits blood and runs at you and you're just like, ah, ah! See, I'm even like more of a weenie in that. Like, it's not even like, I can appreciate like scary things for storytelling, but it's just, I don't, I don't like it. <laughs> just personal. Like, it's completely personal. I would never look down on someone who used fear as a s- storytelling device. But I just, ah, I'm just really bad about that sort of thing. Like, I can't even, like, even though I know, like, Five Nights at Freddy's, for example, is just full of jump scares and stuff. Like, even though you know that that is what's going to happen, even if you're just watching someone, like, not even playing the game, just watching someone play the game. I still like it's still it gets me every time. And I, I it's like I why am I scared by this? Like not even scared but like surprised. It's just I I get really I, I'm very easily put in a fight or flight mode. Mhm. I also find myself with uh, adventure games like the the old Sierra games especially because I can feel myself in the boots of the hero. Um, there's, there's, there's a sort of immersion from having full control. You know, it's one thing to be in a first person shooter and you have control over your gun or your platformering, platformering, and you have control over your jumping and your fireballs. But, you know, regardless of the perspective of what you're doing, adventure games seem to draw me in a little bit more because there's a bigger story component. And you have more control over what you're doing in your world because it's not just one function. It's you're looking at things, you're talking with people, you're interacting with objects, you're doing all sorts of things, and you can nothing is off limits. You can interact, you can smell and lick everything on the screen. So it's completely immersive. So some of the the Sierra games where there's really creepy ways to die um, have really set me off. Like I I don't play Sierra games at night anymore. <laughs> Um, regardless of what they are, just because I know they like to go with over-the-top death sequences sometimes, and I have been seriously creeped out and scarred for life by a couple of them. <laughs> and of course, no topic is uh, complete without a discussion of Alien Isolation, <laughs> yeah. um, which I haven't played, but I've seen little bits and pieces of and read some reviews of. And uh, another thing, going with the original question, what makes a game scary, is never catching a break where you, I believe, can even get killed while you're trying to save your game. What? That it just, it does not let up. Um, there is never any safe point. There's never <laughs> any place to rest. You, regard, Even if you're hiding in a locker, it can still get you, the alien that's hunting you. So just not being able to catch a break. Always being on your toes. Another thing that makes game scary. I hope we have budding game developers taking notes here. Yeah. <laughs> It sounds like we might be done with the Halloween's over um, (laughs) with the scare. So uh, this is definitely like you can kind of tell from the time because it might be before like we shop a virtual console and all that stuff got like 
I was obviously there by this point, but I think it maybe before it was sort of widely mainstream as like a big catalog. But the question is, how much backwards com- compatibility should a system have? Well, I mean, my main reason not for buying the Wii U is because you know it doesn't play NES games. <laughs> but it does, Jetty. <laughs> It but does I, play NES games. But I'd have to buy them again. This I want to plug the cartridge straight in. <laughs> it should have like eight different <laughs> ports. <laughs> it should have a Game Boy port, a Game Boy Advance port. Well, there are game systems now. The Retron, I think they call it, uh, does yeah, have yeah, yeah. that. Yeah, I've seen. I know um, Jeff Rowe is a fan of the Retron. But it's interesting because in a... Like, now it's almost as though games have, like, these... Game systems have a hole in their backwards compatibility with, like... You can play... For, like, the oh. Wii U, for example, you can play NES games, SNES games... A couple Nintendo and 64 64, games. Yeah, yeah, and 64 games. You can play Wii games. You can play Wii U games. But you can't play GameCube games. <laughs> well, um... It's just, it's just funny that, like, now, I think it's sort of the, like, even with, I, I don't have a lot of experience with the sort of retro titles that are on Xbox and PS, whatever. Um, you can't, not, you can say Xbox in general, but you can't just say PS. <laughs> like, and then you have to say PlayStation. But I don't know how far back they go, but, you know, the, there was a big deal when some of the I, I don't know is some only some of the ps3s were backwards compatible with the ps2 um i don't know what it's like with the ps4 and i don't think the ps4 is but i'm not a hundred percent i don't actually own one it's just what i've heard from other people who might be wrong <laughs> well um <laughs> yeah uh jenna recently on gamecola.net game outside the mainstream uh <laughs> we, wrote... we've been over that already you don't need to do that part again <laughs> Um, that part always she, needs to be done. I, like, for some reason, I forgot why, but it's just been ground into me recently. Like, I can't say GameCola.net without saying Gaming Outside. <laughs> just, uh, anyway. So, A Crash Course to Game Collecting. She wrote about the PlayStation 2. And, you know, it is sort of an interesting thing to think about that, like, both... You know, like what you were saying, you can get on Virtual Console these classic old games, and like game collectors collect classic old games, and you know GameStop is buying classic old games, but nobody like really focuses on that mid-range era, like where games actually started to become good. <laughs> you know, just gonna say, like PlayStation Two was kind of where the technology finally got good enough to make like the games that the PlayStation wanted to be and the developers were finally getting like good enough at developing and like making 3D games the games started to get better and yet collecting PlayStation 2 games or like worrying about backwards compatibility for like that general era like Xbox PlayStation 2 um GameCube I guess is that is that that era mm-hmm. um like other than the Dreamcast. <laughs> People love the Dreamcast, but uh, <laughs> uh, it, it is an interesting thing to think about that there's that weird middle era. But I guess like there, it's only sort of recently that there has been this sort of middle era 
in terms of console gaming because before it was just you had like at the beginning it was just yeah. there was video games and there was video game consoles and that yeah. was that was it and then you get to what we would call sort of the mid right now and that was that is now and then the stuff before was early yeah old yeah and then now we've reached that you could put them into three categories if you wanted to because I mean, like even like if you're just thinking about Nintendo, like you've got kind of like the 2D, the yeah. uh, 3D, and then like the Wii motion control sort yeah. of thing. You've got like NES, SNES, Nintendo 64, GameCube, and Wii Wii U, and it's like very clearly defined sort of things. I, I have to oh. interrupt. Did you say NES, SNES? Yes. Are you not, Matt not Jonas? Not NES NES. <laughs> not NES, SNES. NES SNES. Yes. That's all. <laughs> well, I like how SNES sounds over SNES, but I like NES better than NES. So I just compromise with myself. Um, but I was going to say it is also interesting to think about that it was only what, a year ago, two years ago? I guess it's two years ago now. By the time but you like, hear this on YouTube, it'll be like four years. <laughs> but basically... Hi, YouTube. We only relatively recently pushed PlayStation 2 into that middle era. Because before, it was just last generation. Like, PlayStation 3 was current gen up until a year or two ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I so, mean... Yeah. That sort of idea of... When, like, and sort of like when do games become retro? Yeah. Because like, it's, you know, before, you know, we consider, I would say that people probably considered the Nintendo 64. Yeah, people did consider the Nintendo 64 retro when the Wii was out. Because yeah. I remember yeah. that's when I sort of started getting on the internet and people were loved the Nintendo 64 as a retro thing yeah. then. And then we've definitely, we've hit that same time period for GameCube, but it doesn't really, like, people don't, it doesn't seem to me, at least, that people consider GameCube retro the same way they consider <laughs> Nintendo 64 and before retro. You know yeah. what it is? I, I think, I sincerely believe it's the graphics that make the difference. Because as long as the graphics of a system are still convincing enough that maybe this kind of looks like the games that we have today, it's not retro. You look at an NES or a SNES, and they look like <laughs> completely different things. They don't look like anything you're doing today except the ones that are deliberately hearkening back to those wonderful days. And then the N64, you could poke your eyes out with those polygons. They don't look like anything that we have in the market today. But GameCube? You can get away with uh, calling a game. You know, Metroid Prime still looks pretty good. Uh, the Mario Party games don't look all that far off from what you've got on the Wii now. So they're still recognizable as, oh, hey, this game... You, you can still have people, and I've met people like this, who are convinced that it's for a different system than it really is because the graphic dif graphical differences are subtle enough that if you're not really into it, you won't immediately recognize, well, that can't possibly be the same processing power behind it. It would just be interesting to see, like, how far we could go. I get, when, you're, when you go back through and you're uploading 
the uh, the podcast reuploading podcast because there's been some audio like powerful thing that's like makes it so that your ears just are like consumed by it. And it's like we have to put our podcast in that format. And you're listening back through. We can figure out if the GameCube is considered retro by the time we're listening to this <laughs> so many years in the future. I'm looking off into the distance if you, you can't see it. Also, you can't also see that the distance consists of a wall. <laughs> but yeah, it would just be interesting to see how long it takes before. And maybe, I would imagine at some point, the GameCube would look old enough to be considered some form of... We're, we're starting to get there already. I don't think yeah. we're quite there yet, but we're definitely getting there. You no, know, it really needs to be backwards compatible is the Ouya. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Or what, did it have perfect backwards compatibility because it didn't miss any of its older systems? <laughs> uh, and that's the thing is I just keep thinking, like, do, has anyone ever owned one? There's one guy who goes to the... Um, the local like game developer meetup which like when i say local it's pretty big but like there's one guy who like develops for the oya and i'm like what are you doing with your life what is going on here anyone else have anything to say about backwards compatibility i don't know that we actually answered the question did we yeah, I, don't I mean we i, don't I, I guess we did was. we just kind of talked it was how much backwards compatibility should a system have it sounds kind of like our opinion is it should have all. <laughs> yep. Technology is advanced, advanced yeah. enough that you, you can do that now. As, as long as the removable media is the same general format as anything that came before it, you keep putting in the backwards compatibility. You know, if it's a cartridge, just keep making a cartridge slot that fits and then if it's a disc keep being able to read the disc i mean i i recognize that i don't know all the hardware limitations of things but just from a guy who puts toast in a toaster you know i don't need a different toaster for bagels and toast you know bread even though my wife uses a different toaster for bagels than she does for bread like with technology with cartridges it makes more sense because like they're all different shapes and so it would be more. I can see, uh, like, but like all CDs are the same. Like they're they're a donut. They're just fat donuts. Fat or a bagel, donuts. if you will, and cartridges are bread. This oh. actually works very well. <laughs> now, I'm, now I'm just thinking about the Keurig and trying to put like a a, <laughs> a scoop of coffee into the Keurig. But I wanna, I'm just saying that it shouldn't be that hard to make any seed like. CDs work in a thing. I mean, then they're yeah, not all technically CDs, but like the. The whatever that shape, whatever you just call that shape, like it shouldn't be that hard. Like most of them are the same size, and the we could take the GameCube one, even though they were tiny. So I don't well, understand why of, it would be so difficult. Part of the thing is like different color lasers or whatever, like Blu-ray. Like there yeah. is like, but at the same time, it seems like can you just put two lasers on? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I mean, you might need two different little heads, and I. I think that's why, like, PlayStation 2 has trouble reading DVDs, if it even if it plays games, or, like, vice versa, is that there's literally, like, two different little units. Because um, I think it's that my PlayStation 2 currently can play DVDs, but not games. My coffee maker is no longer backwards compatible with my coffee. <laughs> See, I play almost everything on a PC, so as long as my PC can still play... I'm sorry, whose PC? 
both of our PCs. <laughs> I have different games on each computer because each computer can play different quality level of things. But I like your computer because your computer can play everything. Because it's in the living room and it's easily accessible. And it can run more than one thing at a time. So I can actually play Mass Effect on your computer and play Zork on your computer. And it's well, not at the same time. At the same time, yeah. <laughs> but... Your computer is more backwards compatible than mine is. Tying it back in there, I like it. <laughs> my, my, uh, my computer is backwards compatible with the NES, so... Now we just need to make things forwards compatible. <laughs> well... Just make it as... so that your, your next... Con like, just make it so the you know, the Wii 3, or whatever it's called, um, can... The Wii U can play those games, and it won't hurt sales of the new thing at all. If you so can we, we tried forwards compatibility, or forward compatibility, if you want to be GameCola compliant and use our style <laughs> guide properly. I uh, keep thinking about that. <laughs> um, I, so I recently finished playing Banjo-Kazooie. And talk about forward thinking, you have oh. secret items in the game that are only accessible through this, uh, unfortunately not yeah. executed properly stop and swap mechanic where yeah. at the end of the game they advertise Banjo-Tooie and then you go play Banjo-Tooie and then you figure out how to unlock the other secret items in Banjo-Oney and then you unlock them and then you bring them back into Banjo-Tooie. I think that's how that works. But they changed the hardware specs on the N64. You were supposed to have a five-second window of being able to remove your game cartridge, shove the other one in, and then the memory would linger long enough for it to Banjo-Tooie to pick up on the fact that, oh, hey, you have yeah. some secrets we can tell you about. Um, but that just didn't work because they changed the hardware to a one-second memory, which <laughs> is not feasible. So that's how forward compatibility works, is it well, does I was going to say is that uh, when this podcast hits 88 miles per hour. <laughs> 88, 88 podcasts per podcast website. Six game. years. Oh, yeah. <laughs> per six years. <laughs> yeah. Didn't the PS2, the thicker version, have a computer built into it? Because they were anticipating that you could connect it to the internet and download That's... games and... They had so much more planned for it. That's true. And well, then even, it wasn't implemented. Even the original Nintendo, uh, yeah, I believe, yeah, yeah. had like a modem inside of it, um, which I think did eventually get used in Japan. Um, oh. But you do build in weird things into the hardware anticipating that you're going to use them, and maybe you do. I know, I don't remember, I think there's an aux port on the NES, and I know for a fact that like on the bottom of the Super Nintendo is this weird connector that was never used by anything, at least in America. Right. And, um, yeah, you would plug... I've seen pictures of it, the one for, like, the Famicom. They had multiple systems that just, like, the Famicom sits on top of this thing, and it connects to the Internet, or it um, lets you program for the thing, or, like, the Famicom disk system, I think, was like that. And, like, it's so strange to think about that from that era, hmm. like, uh, I don't know. I, I, I feel like we missed out on so many things. Like, apparently, um, I'm trying to think, I think it was Super Nintendo that in Japan, they had this weird, like, rental cartridge system where you would buy this special cartridge that you would then take to a store, plug it into their machine there, and it would load up a new game for you. 
and then you would take it home and play, and you'd come back and get a new game by plugging it in later. And that just seems so cool and futuristic. It's like, what are we doing with our lives here in America? <laughs> we're talking about why you haven't joined the backloggery yet, hint, hint. That's what we're doing with our lives here. <laughs> I'm just pulling from the topic pile again. Oh, oh, are we? What? Have I? Have well, that's I what I did, unless you were also, you know, what was it, thoughtfully staring at the wall off into the distance like Joe. No, that, yeah, that was me. I actually Skips did join the backloggery recently. Really? Yeah, I need I to too. update it, though, because I've gotten new games since I've joined. But Hooray, I need to find you then. Uh, I think I'm just Ace Fangirl, but I'll pull it up right now. Oh, God, I need to update this, like, really badly. <laughs> <laughs> I got a bunch of new Steam games. So for people not in the loop, the Backloggery is a website that I promote at any opportunity. Um, it's a way of keeping, it, it's a way of listing off every video game you have in your library and then keeping track of which ones you've beaten, which ones you've 100% completed, which ones you haven't gotten to at all, how many achievements you've unlocked, and then you can write little reviews of them and rate the games on a five-star scale and connect with friends and things like that. And I've really enjoyed it because I am a video game collector, but I tend tend to keep going back to the same games, playing them over and over again. Like, there was, a, if I needed an RPG, it was Chrono Trigger or Earthbound or Super Mario RPG. Uh, if I needed a first-person shooter, it was No One Lives Forever or Elite Force or one of the Jedi Knight games. And that's all I ever did was just, you know, once a year, once every two years, I'd go back to one of these things. I joined the backloggery, looked at this whole list after I loaded all of my <laughs> games onto it and said, Wow! That is a lot of game time spent on things that are not what I just spent my money on. Let's start digging into this. So ever <laughs> since, I've, I almost have not gone back to play any game that I've already finished unless it's to 100% it um, or unless it's part of a marathon like the 2012 Megathon uh, my friend and I did and uh, Shannon joined us for um, where we played through 10 Mega Man games um, or when uh, like just replaying Earthbound uh, the, the longest post in Game Cola history that I wrote about that experience um, I don't think that's an exaggeration I think that actually is the longest post in Game Cola history um, yeah. but just it, it's it's very rare now for me to go back and play things that I've already completed because there's so much out there and I'm finding most of my collection is really mediocre unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> I, I peaked early on found all the good games I'm, actually, I'm, I'm updating mine right now you can yeah. see why Banjo-Kazooie was on your mind. Well, also, my brother-in-law has been trying to get me to play that for a while because he really enjoys it. Right. And what's what's interesting about Banjo-Kazooie is that I, I respect what the game does. I think it's a pretty well-constructed game. There, there's things about it that I'd change. But I think overall, I can understand the appeal of it. But playing it so much later in life, I don't think I enjoyed it as much as I would have if I would have played it when it first came out. Um, because I'm now at the point in my gaming career where you're talking about the, the achievements and all of the time spent to unlock things. I don't really have it in me to do a full-blown collection game. You know, a collection <laughs> quest, okay, maybe, but a whole game 
centered around pick up everything. It's it's really a strain on me anymore. I still I still completed it. I still got everything aside from the really obscure, you know, type in a cheat code and unlock this kind of thing, but it took a little more effort than it would have. And I used to love those, I, being the completionist that I am. And I'm sort of easing off that a little bit. Plus, it's aimed at a younger audience. There's there's a lot more juvenile humor in there. And there's some stuff more for the grown-ups, too. But um, it's it's not, I think, as charming as it might have been as a younger kid going like, oh, can they do that in games? <laughs> have a character that talks entirely and burp sound effects. <laughs> We were having so much fun with the sound effects, though. Until they started to give her a headache. Because <laughs> she's sitting on my computer playing Steam games, and I'm sitting uh, playing Banjo-Kazooie. All of the electronic stuff is in the same room. And she was doing whatever she was doing on the computer and wasn't watching the gameplay. So it was just this cacophony of bizarre sound effects of <laughs> we probably did no justice whatsoever to the banjo kazooie sound effects well to go back to the original topic i'm not on the backloggery because 97 percent of what i play is either on steam or good old games which have their own built-in systems so for the stack of five or six games that are sitting by my computer that are not electronic. All of which are ones that I <laughs> bought you for birthday or Christmas some year. It's it's not worth starting up a website to go, I also own these five other games. But if it's a website of, here are all the games that my husband bought me that I never played, I would love to complete them. <laughs> so she's a big David Bowie fan. I bought her David Bowie the game, and she still hasn't finished no, it. I, wait, I started wait. it, and then that computer... Oh, that that's right. Okay, exploded. that's a genuine excuse. So I installed another Bowie the game. <laughs> it's called Omicron, and he not only did the music for it, he also did some of the voice acting and uh, lends his likeness to at least one of the characters. So it is David <laughs> Bowie least. the game. Um, so I'm definitely gonna be buying this. Definitely do. Omicron definitely the Nomad Soul. We'll it's, we'll look for that. <laughs> the the hour and a half that I played of it was really good. I just need to download it on a different computer because that computer went kaflooey. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> I kind of I kind of zoned out for a bit because I was uploading or updating backloggery, and then I heard that, and I had to chime back in. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Another David Bowie fan. <laughs> I have some friends that'll be very interested in that. <laughs> God, I really needed to update this. <laughs> this has been forever. Because I, I find myself too, like with the ba having a backloggery kind of, I realize like how I kind of play, often play games in just spurts. So like I'll get like halfway through a couple games, then just like get sidetracked with stuff that I need to focus on. And then like it'll be a month later. I'm like, oh yeah, I was in the middle of this. I should probably like finish it up. Like right now, like right now, I've got Shovel Knight, and I, you, I mean, you guys heard the on the podcast last time I talked about playing Shovel Knight, and I don't think I've played it since, just because <laughs> I just got busy, and now I need to get back and finish it. But I'm probably going to be terrible because I haven't played it in a very long time. I like so. the um, the fortune cookie feature of Backloggery. Yeah. Uh, mostly just because I watch proton john 
Mm-hmm. And he does streams where he just turns on, he puts, he has everything in his backlogery and he just puts like five games from Fortune Cookie in a, like a, oh God, what's it called? Like a, a survey and the viewers pick what he plays next. So he always ends up playing the weirdest games on stream and it's super fun. So I do that for myself. Nice. <laughs> I am toying with the idea of trying to do a live stream soon. I have so my So I, own... actually. I have my own Twitch account, and I have live-streamed in the past, but it's been with other people who know what they're doing. So for me to... I, I did do a successful test run once where I didn't actually go off... didn't go public, um, just recorded the video to my computer, but the audio and gameplay seemed to work out okay. Uh, the reason I'm thinking about doing this is the and, uh, Mega Man Legacy Collection launches this week. Actually, it might already be out, depending on what part of the world you're in. And it... Um, it's something that I feel like maybe might be interesting to try, depending on how many extras there are in there. I know we've talked, well, other people, I was not involved, because that's how it is. Anytime there's a topic I really want to be a part of, I'm not on that podcast. <laughs> but I know it's been talked about on at least one previous podcast. But yeah, considering maybe doing some live streaming. Also, I have to see like how much of that extra stuff is um, available from the very beginning. And what you might have to play the games to unlock. Also true. Yeah, Jetty, Anna, are you on the backloggery? Yes, I'm not. Jetty, why aren't you on? Why haven't you joined the backloggery yet? And I think my it be a requirement. my my voice was <laughs> hyperlinked when I said backloggery. <laughs> um, I don't know if that came like, over the audio, but backloggery.com. <laughs> gonna have a text box pop up when you say that perfect <laughs> just put it just uh, just a little like youtube annotation <laughs> every time one of us says the backloggery <laughs> i'm not doing i'm not a, doing that can't you like add people as like i don't really know how backloggery works you can add them on multi-tap i don't oh, yeah we should make like a, a can you like group or something we should i don't think you can group make a game cola giant link of everyone's backloggeries so everyone can look at them. Yeah. I'm, I'm all about cool. that. Okay, that might be worth joining backloggery yeah, see? So that you just can like, see my, like, 170 hog games and then go, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> okay, I'm still, I'm, I'm still putting mine in right now. <laughs> Anna, you said you're on there? Mm-hmm. Find all you in a minute. I need to find you, too. I'm pretty sure it's my Twitter name. My Twitter name at backloggery.com. <laughs> yeah, hold well on. You got it. This has just become all of us, like, looking We're at just uploading. Okay. Up maybe, we should, maybe we should talk about something else while we all at each other on. We can talk while I'm doing that. Have you ever caught them all? Working on it. No. How many? <laughs> I did circa 1998 or so. Actually, that's totally a thing I could talk about. Uh, I think I talked about this on Twitter a little bit, but um, I just moved back to college recently and I've been, we picked up some boxes that I mailed to school because I did not get the big suitcase this year because my sister was moving in as well. And uh, so I put like my big Pokedex book and my, like a bunch of other gaming related books, my, my Majora's Mask guide fancy book in a box and mailed it to myself and it did not get here and it's lost and I'm like, oh, no. how am I ever going to catch them all now? <laughs> like, <laughs> and they still haven't found it. And I'm really sad. 
So I bought myself like a writing prompts book and stuff so I can start writing again. And it's mm. like, nope, you can't have that. <laughs> We're going to lose it for you. I'm like, right. ah. Do you know how many journals I bought this summer? Oh, you don't want to know how many I bought. <laughs> I, I have like a whole bottom desk drawer full. Good job. Four, and I'm just like, oh, I'm never going to use all these. Me neither. It's okay. But no, I have not cut them all yet. But I'm working. I want to on... Since I have X and uh, Alpha Sapphire and my friend has Y and Omega Ruby, we are trading back and forth for what we what we need from each other. And it's great. I'm just picturing some back alley Pokemon deal. <laughs> At, in college. Yeah. You know? That's all, we go to parties and we just sit in the corner with our 3DSs and trade Pokemon. Literally my life, though. That's the best way to go to any party. Really, though. It's really the only way to do it right. That's all I got. (laughs) I think I've caught, like, 35. (laughs) (laughs) I started up Heart Gold, like, a year and a half ago, and then stopped playing. And I need to get back into it so I can catch more than 35. Well, that's like, um, I posted a little while back on Game Cola about, um... The beard, the singing beard. Oh, why yes. am I blanking? Um, this is not um, something I should blank on. Help yeah, me out. Yeah, they gotta catch Smo- a few. Smooth <laughs> McGroove. Smooth McGroove. Thank you. So <laughs> he, he teamed up with. Uh, I'm gonna probably pronounce this right, which is terrifying. Dookie Shed. I think that's what his name is. Um, but teamed up with somebody else to do a parody of the uh, Pokemon TV show theme song that was gotta catch a few. Talking about the <laughs> mediocre trainers, <laughs> like set your sights where you can actually achieve them. Oh, that's Ash. Nice. Honestly, was a pretty meek, mediocre trainer. But really, like, the number of times, like, and I'm not even talking about like in the first three episodes. I'm talking about like you know episode eighty four that he just like throws a Pokeball straight at a Pokemon that he just saw. It was like Ash, <laughs> are you even trying? <laughs> it's literally like the first thing they teach you. <laughs> like... Yeah, and well, okay, because like he's about to go to the Indigo League. And he goes to Professor Oak, and he's like, Professor Oak, do you have any advice? And Oak's like, uh, maybe you should actually start your adventure now, Ash. <laughs> maybe you should try training some. Or uh... See, if it were up to me, I'd get a Gatling gun and load it with Pokeballs, so that even if the first one didn't capture them, they'd take some damage from you know being launched in the face with a Pokeball. And then over and over and over again, eventually one of them would wear it down to enough you know, of a low health where I, one of the balls would capture them instead of just like knock them out cold. Even even money though. Well, you can reuse them, maybe, <laughs> depending on right? whether you're in the game or the show. Yeah. <laughs> but like, even if they didn't do damage, like it's not impossible to catch a Pokemon on full health. It's just more That's unlikely. Yeah. So you could even if they didn't do damage, you like you just do it again and again and again with your Gatling gun. Eventually, it would work. I like how this is a serious topic of conversation that we're having right now. <laughs> well, this is like a yes or no question, so we kind of have to expound upon it. Hey, if you go on the... We're down the resolve of the Pokemon. <laughs> like, oh, I don't want to deal with you anymore. I'll let myself be captured. God, I'm so done. <laughs> Dude, I'm trying to sleep. Dude, I'm trying to shower. Dude, I'm trying to eat. My name is at the top of the list. Oh, it's at it's second on the list for latest updates on the backloggery. Is my name I'm on the list? Sorry. It probably is. It is not. What? You've been uploading like or updating like this 
whole time. That's offensive. So I I haven't weighed in, but I I know I've t- I know I must have talked about th- I'm pretty sure I talked about this on some previous podcast somewhere, but uh, I did own Pokemon Red when it first came out. Before there was this tiny little window where it was out, but it wasn't super popular yet, and that's when I played it. And I, I got it, I started to get into it. I'm like, oh, it's an RPG, not it's the only thing you will ever play for the rest of your life. I'm like, oh, it's just an RPG with a new mechanic that I'm not used to. And I played for a while and was kind of enjoying it. And then I got up to Safari Zone and was just having a heck of a time. I, I, I ceased being able to catch anything anymore. I just, I, I couldn't do it. And it's not just because Safari Zone uses different Pokeballs, um, I think, if I'm remembering this correctly. It just yeah, nothing, right. nothing. Yeah would allow me to catch it. So eventually I decided, you know what? I don't got to catch them all. And then I traded it in at GameStop. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I'm pretty sure that I've told the story before that I was at like 143 Pokemon. I had like been playing the game for months. And then my cousin was like, whoa, what's that? I've heard of that game. Can I try it for a bit? And I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. Here you go. You know, no, just don't, no, no, just, no. I was like, yeah, just don't save literally like the first thing he does save. is save the game that's why you don't lend things to anyone see they don't even let you do that anymore save your game. game you no. just need to keep playing pokemon until your eyes fall out no the, the you can't just if you start a new game with a save file already in it you can't save the game it won't let you you have to before you can save a new game you have to go to like the title screen hold like L, R, and select an A, and delete your save file, and then you can save a new game. Absolutely, purposefully. That's what I had to do when I got heart gold from our friend. I had to go through all that rigmarole. I I went through that rigmarole for uh, Final Fantasy IX, except not on purpose. I was maybe ten <laughs> hours into the game, and I was enjoying it. Um, and then I got to this one dungeon where you've got this, the, these bells that you ring to open doors, and you have a limited number of them. And so I'm starting to think, well, maybe there's a puzzle, maybe there's a secret door that I need to save a bell for, or maybe I can shoot myself in the foot. I'm not sure, so I was really careful about saving. So I get to what I think is the end of the dungeon, and there's two doors, but there's one bell and there's no other place I can explore in the dungeon so I I say okay I've just saved I want to make sure that I do this so let me ring the bell and I open the one door and it's the way out of the cave and I say okay I don't want to do this right now so I just saved I just tried the other door no I'm going to reset I'm going to try the other door and see what happens and then I say load game Final Fantasy 9 says what game would that be (laughs) oh that's all memory card empty the whole memory card like it deleted everything on it or Uh, just no empty of i don't remember what the exact wording was but it it was basically uh you can cry now please go ahead (laughs) i had an issue where like i had been playing so much xenogears i was like yeah i'm gonna level up so much i'm gonna get all the best gear and then i'm gonna go to the final dungeon and i had one of those fancy like multi-card memory cards And, like, for whatever reason, I accidentally, like, bumped it or something. And, like, while it was saving, it, like, switched. And that was basically the end of, like, everything on that card. Ouch. So. See, 
back in the early when I first when my family first got a GameCube, we didn't know anything about like video game consoles at the time. So we didn't know that like buying a memory card for a GameCube was like something you were just sort of expected to do. Oh. So we didn't do it. So like for I don't know how I my sense of time is all skewed. So it could have been like a week, it could have been it was probably not a week. It could have been a month or it could have been a year. I don't know. <laughs> But um, we only had a couple games, and we couldn't we couldn't save them, and so I would just start at the beginning every single time. Wow. And like one of the ones we had was Super Monkey Ball, and like <laughs> there are three mini games in it that you have to unlock by doing the single player. Um, you have to get points, and so if we wanted to play one of them, <laughs> what we would have to do is run through. Like we got really good at the the. There's like the different levels. There's like ten easy levels then there's a set of 30 levels that are advanced and a set of 50 that are expert and my brother and i got really good at just running through the 10 easy levels really fast we got very good at them <laughs> figuring out shortcuts and stuff getting the maximum amount of points yeah. and then going on and then you'd go through it like maybe two or three times depending on how well you did and then we could play the mini game that we wanted to play <laughs> And then the other game we had was Pac-Man World 2. And I got very I got very good at the first few stages of that. I'm uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Get those shivers out of my system. I tried to play Pac-Man World. I think it was Pac-Man World 2 cuz that was the one that's packaged with Pac-Man Versus, right? I don't know. Okay, I... well, my copy was whatever Pac-Man World it was. And once again, like I was saying about Banjo-Kazooie, I'm kind of beyond the point where I can play, like, collection-heavy, but especially 3D platformers. I have a difficult time getting into 3D platformers anymore, I think because I didn't grow up with them. There was something that got added to my repertoire a little bit later, and I only was very selective about the ones that I played. So this is not like, oh, I love them, I'll play any kind. So I said, okay, I will would like to see what Pac-Man looks like when he's not Paco-Pacoing all over the place in, in a little maze. And it was okay. It was completely mediocre. There was a lot of jumping and trying to pick stuff up. But it got to the point where I could not make any of the jumps in this one level because the camera controls had gone back to N64-era control, given that this is a GameCube game, um, except without any without the precision of the N64 era. Um, so I was getting bizarre angles where I, and I didn't have a shadow. Um, I seem to recall Pac-Man did not have a shadow. So I needed to be eyeing up where I thought he was going to look, jump and land oh. from this particular strange angle that I had no other practice jumping around at this angle, trying to get around a corner. I just kept dumping myself into the lava pit. Yeah. It, it sounds like you were in the lava caves. That's where, that's the last time, because I went back and played it, and I was like, this is, I, I enjoyed myself for most of it that I, that I played, and then I got to the ice levels, and I was like, eh, these could be better, but they're ice levels, it's okay, I'll manage, and then it got to the lava cave levels, and like, I'm not having as much of a good time anymore, because I think part of it is because, like, it goes from these wide open areas to, like, these closed tunnels, and I think that's part of the problem with the camera. If I remember, it's been a long time. But like part of it is just yeah. you have the cameras like working its way through the tunnels with you. Whereas before you had like it could give you like these sweeping shots of where you were and you had a really good sense of 
you, I do remember that sometimes it would give you weird angles, but a lot of the time it would at least be like open and there was a little bit of malleability maybe. I think I might even have been jumping toward the camera all of a sudden. Just things that you don't <laughs> yeah, the, the, do. Those lava cave levels, those lava cave levels were not good. So I, I, I said, look, I'm taking this off my backloggery. I don't want this millstone around my neck. Forget it. So being the wonderful friend that I am, I, I re-gifted it to a friend of mine. I said, you like platformers, right, Sam? And he's like, oh, sure, I'll take this. I'm like, it's really awful. You'll love it. See, and it was one of those things where it's like, I thought it was a really good game. But that <laughs> part of it was because I only played up to, like, the forest <laughs> levels. And then I'd have to start over. And so I'd just play those levels again. And I think that the first levels are okay, I think. I don't – because it sounds like most it of your – It started out okay. It was fine. But see, for you, that was, like, a tiny fraction of the game. For me, that was, like, 90% of what I played. And then one day I wandered a little bit farther and it was bad. And I was like, okay, never mind. And that was my experience. So I have a much I have a much more skewed idea of what this game is like than you do. I did get Pac-Man World 3 once, and it was it was a lot different. It changed a lot. It became less about like platforming and more about like enemy fighting, which just felt weird. Cause you I think you got I don't remember for sure, but I think you might have gotten weapons. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, I don't know. Like, Pac-Man jumping around, like, saw blades and stuff and what? trees. Like, I can, I can buy that. I can buy that. But Pac-Man with, like, some sort of gun thing yeah. to kill the ghost, it's like, no. No, you give me a dot, and then I'll eat the ghost. But... Packing heat, man. <laughs> and then, and then this was also so long ago, but I gave up on the game when... I'm pretty sure what happened was I just got turned around, and it wasn't the direction I was supposed to go. But I thought I needed to go this one way, and there was, like, this little rope, like a telephone line, I guess, or something. And for some reason, I got it stuck in my head that that's how I was supposed to jump on that rope and walk across. And I could not jump on the rope. Like, you would just go through it. But for some reason, I thought that that's what you had to do, and game's broken, so I'm done. And then, like, years later, I'm thinking about it. It's like, you know, I probably just was not going the right way. <laughs> but I still had, like, it wasn't an enjoyable enough experience that I want to go back and start over and get back to that point and see. Because I wasn't really having that much fun before then. So I might have just been making excuses to stop playing the game. It's like, no, it's broken. It's broken. I have to stop. It's broken. I'm sorry. There's, there's nothing. There's nothing I can do. Goodbye forever. So speaking of goodbye forever. Oh no. Oh Jen, wow. We're kicking someone off staff. Is this that time? Bye guys. <laughs> Shannon's hiding her face. Well, Anna, you have been fired probably the most out of all of us. I have. Oh God. Maybe more than all of us combined. Uh, uh no. I've uh, been fired a lot. Welcome to Survivor Game Cola. Yeah. <laughs> I'd win. I'm still here. I mean, Daniel, you saw that video I sent you. I'd clearly win. Yeah. <laughs> So what was your goodbye, your forever goodbye? Uh, I was going to say, uh, is it time that we perhaps wrap up this uh, edition of the Game Cold Podcast, Gaming 
Uh, Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> the game cola podcast podcasting outside the mainstream. <laughs> Are you talking about ending at a reasonable hour after a sane yes. length of time to be podcasting? We're not going to go for three hours tonight? <laughs> yeah. I think we have time for one more topic. Isn't Diana Gray the coolest person ever? Oh, actual topic in the topic pile. I know. Who then did we have that? To talk about it. America? <laughs> America? <laughs> that one wasn't me. For a second, I didn't quite read. I, there's a smudge on my screen by the exclamation part point on that. And so it's just America? Americal! <laughs> <laughs> oh. But thank you. Yes, I know I am the coolest person ever. Yeah, I try. On, on that note. Bye. Very- yeah. Well, no, it's not. I, <laughs> you're just super. Like uh, I, I've got what I needed. I'm out. Like you can finish podcast without me. Oh, I'm, I'm satisfied. <laughs> that this is, is just... the part where we all try to recreate the ending theme song, but just humming it and do doing it. <laughs> can we do that? I'd do it. No, if I, do, if, I, if I, I knew the chords. Oh, come on! You have to do it with me. <laughs> Think I'm weirder than yeah. This podcast hits 88 miles per hour. <laughs> you're you're just saying that so that that's I don't what know I'm how to the podcast. I, I, that's what Betty you're doing. Betty just doesn't want to hang out with us anymore. <laughs> but I I want to hang out so much that I want to go back in time and do it again. Well, if you visit our YouTube channel, you can do that <laughs> yeah. for the rest of the year at this rate. Oh. And, you know, I, maybe you'll see some new Phoenix Wright videos. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how many hours it would take to listen to all podcasts. I mean, I can only imagine... Um, I can tell you. Like, approximately, like, 1.5 times 88. You know? uh, 1.21 giga hours. But then, but then yeah. you have to account for podcast 50, which is 10 hours. Not... Not really. <laughs> there was a lot of like edited out of that. Right. But I mean, oh, that's right. Yeah. I don't well, I remember the post. The is. post that I wrote about the 10th anniversary podcast. Yeah, I just read that post the other day. I'm like, all, oh. you know, what was it? Like all nine hours and ten minutes of our 10 hour podcast. Wait, how does that add up? It was less than that. <laughs> the I think that the fan power hour, whatever we called it, for being in, called an hour, it was like 28 minutes. Yeah. Was there, was the, it? Was the a faithful power nap is more like it. <laughs> Good one. But I mean, honestly, if, if you assume that each podcast is roughly an hour and a half, we have some of our longer ones, we have the earlier ones are shorter, but if it all works out to an hour and a half, you just multiply that by however many podcasts we have, and then bingo bongo, it's ridiculous. Yeah, 132 hours. That's... So five and a half days. With some breaks, you could... Very yeah. few breaks, but with some breaks, you could... You wouldn't get a... Could, you could make it last night. a I am actually doing this experiment now, though, because when I'm at work and I'm working on something that doesn't require total focus where, like, words are going to distract me or it's nothing like that, I can throw on a podcast playlist. And I've been going from the beginning. I'm up to – I just finished podcast five today. um, And I'm going through 
re-listening to all of them in part to make sure that the audio transferred properly onto YouTube. Um, and I'm sort of gasping in horror as I listen to some of the uh, things that I should have caught uploading them. But I assumed, oh, it's already a finished playlist. It's on the website. I don't need to listen to the whole thing. And then there's huge shifts in volume from one segment to the next when there are things that were added in after the fact. Um, yeah. So now I'm, I'm paying more attention to the things that I'm uploading. But I am very slowly listening, re-listening to all of them. Um, and they're in a nice handy playlist that the next one just starts right away. So much podcast. Well, why don't, why don't I end things? Follow us on social media. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Gamecooler.net. Right. Don't you do that. <laughs> all right. Well, if you enjoyed listening to this Game Cola podcast, um, if you're on our actual internet website, Gamecola.net, Jetty. Gaming outside the mainstream. Yes. <laughs> um, oh, then awesome. you can check out the YouTube channel that Nathaniel has been promoting and has been posting all these other podcasts too, as well as other videos, like perhaps maybe some Ace Attorney in the near future. Tonight. <laughs> you can go check out our YouTube channel at gc.net, the letter G, the letter C, the word dot, and the word net. Um, if you're on GC.net listening to podcasts and you're on this one, you might want to check out our actual internet website, GameCola.net. Jetty. Gaming outside the mainstream. Are you sleeping? What? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I was trying to catch up on the end day tale of love. <laughs> oh. If you want to follow us on any sort of social media type things, we have our Twitter at GameCola. You can find us on Facebook. Just search GameCola. Um, it'll be the one that has the little icon of like a guy with a G for a head. That'll do that one. That's the one that you need. We have our old outdated Tumblr, which is a tiny slice of Game Cola history. And if you would like podcasts from Game Cola to come onto your cellular device. Uh, we are on iTunes, and you can subscribe to us on iTunes so that you get little notifications on your phone, um, and you can listen to the podcast at double speed where you can't understand what anyone's saying. Which is no I've, different from usual, really. Yeah. I've definitely listened to podcasts faster than uh, yeah, using like uh, VLC players. I do one... I do 1.5 sometimes for the Game Cola podcast. Not anymore because I don't listen to the Game Cola podcast anymore because I listen to the Game Cola podcast like five times before everyone else does. <laughs> yeah. In full probably. But so you can – and if you are going to happen by iTunes, if you happen to like the podcast, then you can hit five stars on it. And if you didn't like the podcast – then we're not on iTunes. Uh, we're, we're on this actual website called um, ByTunes. Where you stop listening to the podcast and pretend you never heard it because you never liked it, and you come back later and like learn to appreciate its value after it's <laughs> aged a little bit. Um, you know, like wine. It, the, this podcast is like a fine wine. I'm sure. I'm sure there are many parallels that we can it's think of later, not for but not under right. Twenty-one. <laughs> uh, is that? I think I covered everything there. In Did the, you? Did you talk about GameCola.net gaming outside the mainstream? Um, no, I think I might have mentioned GameCola.net gaming outside the mainstream, but Jetty, as the editor-in-chief of GameCola.net gaming outside the mainstream, is there anything that you would like to say about GameCola.net gaming outside the mainstream? 
It is not GameCola.com. Feel the taste of free games. <laughs> this is important. <laughs> Can you get arrested by the police for listening to the podcast while driving? If it's like a fine wine. I don't think I don't think I don't think it's illegal to listen to fine wine while you're driving. <laughs> no podcast before it's time. <laughs> All right, this is turning quickly into nonsense. So everyone, thank you for coming and have a great whatever you're doing right now, night, morning, food, wine, fine wine, listening. <laughs> Enjoying uh, some fine wine while listening to the podcast. I'll tell you when I've had enough podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Well, the thing is, like, I, I feel like for this hour and 46 minute recording that we're going to have, like, an hour and 45 minutes worth of usable podcast. Yeah, it's, uh, we've been we've managed to stay. There's going to be some backloggery shenanigans that I'll cut out. Sure, and there's going to be yeah. these words that I'm saying right now <laughs> that I'm going to cut out. Uh, there have been, and then watch him not cut those out by accident. <laughs> <laughs>